Good morning. Would you join me opening up your Bibles to Luke chapter 2? Hope you all had a Merry Christmas. Hope you have enjoyed your weekend up to this point. And I must say that it is fitting that we are ending the year 2020 with an all-virtual service and that I am once again preaching only to a camera as strange as that would have been going into this year. It is now oddly familiar But uh, we are, Lord willing, looking to be back in uh, doing in-person gatherings next Sunday, January 3rd, 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. And registration for that will go out uh, tomorrow morning, and we will uh, pick that rhythm back up. But we are excited and looking forward to next week because we are going to begin a sermon series in the Sermon on the Mount. And we are going to take our time in the first half of 2021 looking at these chapters of Matthew 5, Matthew 6, and Matthew 7. And we hope that you will plan to uh, join us either in person or once again virtually. But uh, one more reminder is that as we approach year-end, we hope that you would uh, be willing to help us close the gap on our 2020 giving budget uh, in these final days and uh, prayerfully consider uh, a year-end gift to Grace Church. Um, Just thinking through um, our ministry and our church family here, if if everyone considered whatever amount is viable for you in these last few days to to give to the ministry of Grace Church, to finish this year strong and propel us into 2021 and what we hope uh, and pray will be um, a fruitful year of ministry for our church community Um, regardless of wherever God leads us and has before us. And um, we just appreciate the generosity of this church throughout this year. Uh, It has been such a source of encouragement for us and the leadership here at Grace. And uh, we'd appreciate if uh, you would join us in finishing strong this year. Many of you know, but if you want to give via PushPay, you can just text GraceChurchNJ to 77977, and that will provide you a link to our online giving platform. Um, Otherwise, you can also uh, mail a check into the church and just ensure that it is postmarked by December 31st. Well, you know, typically uh, an Advent sermon series ends on Christmas Eve. It ends with the arrival of Christ and the service that we do on Christmas Eve. But this year... Our sermon series, which has been uh, titled Songs of Christmas, and that has looked through the four songs in the book of Luke, takes us beyond Christmas. I said at the beginning of this series that the fourth song is often the most overlooked in the Gospel of Luke because it takes place after the birth of Christ. And again, our typical treatment of Christmas series and Christmas teachings in the church um, always end with the birth passage. It ends with baby Jesus in a manger, with shepherds coming around and hovering and seeing baby Jesus, and wise men coming from the east and seeing baby Jesus. Although, uh, as I've said before, uh, most likely those wise men did not come until Jesus was about two years old, but different sermon, not for today. Just wanted to fit that in there. Um, But then we move on. Jesus is born and Christmas is done. We pack up the boxes and we head towards the new year. But not this year, because now in the days following 
Christmas and the birth of Christ, we have the opportunity to dig into the fourth and final song which took place in the days following Jesus' birth. So we all know about and have heard plenty of times before the songs that we have already seen in this series. Mary's song, Zechariah's song, the angel's song. But I wonder how many of you view Simeon as a Christmas character. How many carols are there about Simeon? How many stories do we tell our children about Simeon? My guess is not many. And so with that said, I'm looking forward to hearing his story and his song. So would you turn with me to Luke chapter 2? We're going to read verses 22 to 35. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses... They brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Do you remember what you first said the last time you held a newborn baby in your arms? So think about the last time you held a baby. Maybe you have never even held a baby, but maybe it was your own. Maybe it was a grandchild, a friend's child. Or maybe it was the last time you served in the baby nursery room here at Grace way back when. Or again, maybe you have never held a baby before. I can actually remember the first time I held the newborn baby. Um, And it was not until I was in college. And if I remember correctly, I was tricked into it. It was forced upon me. And I remember, I can literally remember the home I was in, the people who lived there, the kitchen I was standing in. And I was so nervous. And I remember holding this child like the elbows out, kind of hunched over, just staring at it, terrified, unbelievably awkward, sweating, which no one should be surprised by by now. And I was so consumed by just keeping this baby alive that I don't think I said anything. But when people hold babies, 
they usually say the same kind of things. They look to see, do they have daddy's nose or mommy's ears? They remark how small and how light the baby is, how incredible it is at the, at the miracle of a new life and how a full-fledged human being is in their arms so soon after exiting the womb. You know, one of the joys that I have in pastoral ministry are uh, conducting the parent-child dedications. It's a ceremony that we do in the midst of our weekly gatherings where parents of, young, of a young child stand before the congregation and, and they make a covenant with the church. Parents first to commit themselves to following Jesus Christ and then to raise children up in the truth of the Lord, specifically the child that is being dedicated and then the congregation stands, what I always have found to be a pretty powerful moment, and, and they commit to come alongside those parents in helping them to raise their child in the truth of the Lord, knowing that it's a community effort. And then I would take the child into my hands, and I would pray over them. And it's usually as I'm dodging their attempts to grab the headset mic, and, and that prayer for these children is consistently that this young boy or girl would grow up to believe in and love Jesus Christ, and that they would have a God-glorifying, Christ-centered, spirit-empowered impact for the kingdom. Now, put yourself in Simeon's shoes. He takes this newborn into his hands, whose name is Jesus. And I don't think it's an overstatement to say that he then delivers the most impactful dedication in the history of the world. And he does so in a song. Because as we've seen in this series, we tend to sing songs when mere words won't suffice. And this song shines truth on the fact that Jesus is the light that rises, number one. He is the light that guides, number two. And third, Jesus is the light that exposes. So first, Jesus is the light that rises, Simeon is this interesting character in the narrative of Luke because uh, Luke is the only one of the Gospels that even mentions him. And we get very little information about who he is or why God even uh, chose to reveal this to him in the first place. All we know is that Simeon was a man in Jerusalem who was righteous and devout and that he was waiting for the consolation, waiting for the freedom of Israel. That's what we know. He was a man who loved God, a man who loved Israel. And we might assume he was a priest, but we're not told that. We might assume that he was an older man, elderly in age, but we're not even told that. But we do know that God chose Simeon. To reveal this truth about Jesus Christ, just as God chose Mary to give birth to Jesus, not because of anything good inherently in her, but simply because he chose her. And the same spirit that revealed this 
to Simeon, also prodded Simeon to go to the temple in Jerusalem the very day that Joseph and Mary brought Jesus to be presented to the Lord, as was the custom. You know what I always wondered at this point? I would have loved to have known, how long did Simeon have to wait? What was the timeline between God's revelation to him and Jesus' arrival before him? I want to know, did Simeon ever struggle to believe that which he was told? Did his confidence ever wane over time? Waiting can be hard And yet we must always remember that the fulfillment of God's promises are as sure as the rising sun. If you did not listen to Pastor Joe's uh, sermon this past weekend, I would encourage you to go on Facebook or YouTube and watch it. And he shared from Zechariah's song and, and dug deep into the reality of waiting And he said from that text that we ought to be honest, that waiting is hard. And yet we are to be hopeful because our waiting is sure. Jesus is the light that rises. The Apostle Paul says that he is the yes and amen to every promise that God has ever made. And this is why, among other reasons, um, why memorizing and recalling God's promises that are in the scriptures are so vital to a healthy spiritual life. Maybe as we approach the new year, that ought to be something on your mind, is to begin to memorize God's promises so that you can repeat them and preach them to yourself. Because regardless of what we go through, no matter how difficult the journey is that lies ahead, God's promises will stand. Promises like, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to bring it to completion. Promises like, that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Promises like, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. As I reflect back on this year, as a church, we spent uh, the entire first half of 2020 in the book of Exodus. And there was a line that I kept saying throughout the series that I think it is fitting to say again in this text at the end of the year. At Grace Church, brothers and sisters in the faith, If God said it, he will do it. And since he will do it, we will trust it. So as we approach year end, what is the promise from Scripture that you can cling to? What is the promise that he will use to sustain you? Because God's word never fails. And the Son of God is the light that rises at exactly the right time. Second, 
Jesus is the light that guides. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. You may have picked up on this throughout this series, throughout Luke's songs in Luke chapter 1 and chapter 2, but he has quietly and yet clearly inserted a major theme into all of these songs, starting with Mary, to Zechariah, to the angels, and now to Simeon. And the theme is that Jesus came not just for the people of Israel, but for all people which was as radical of a belief as you could have during this time. Mary and Zechariah both said that this baby would fulfill God's promise to Abraham, that through his family, all the families of the world will be blessed. The angels declared the glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, not in Israel peace, on earth peace. And now Simeon just busts those floodgates open with the most explicit statement that Jesus will be a light of revelation to the Gentiles. Whenever you see the word Gentiles in the Bible, that simply means everyone who is not Jewish. It means non-Jews. And Jesus will be the light that guides that shows people the way to the Father as the as the one who not only reveals the trail, but who blazes it himself, right? So this is Luke just kind of tying all these themes together. We we saw in Zechariah's song um, that that he began to talk about how he is a light that shines into the darkness. And then right after that song is when the shepherds came upon in the darkness to the shepherds and shone light. And now this light in the form of a baby comes to the temple And Simeon recognizes this is the light that will show people the way back to the Father. Just as a fire went before the people of Israel after they escaped Egypt and were led to the promised land, so the Son of God now goes before all people, showing the way to eternal salvation. This will be the mission of Christ. This is the mission of Jesus, and through Jesus, this is the mission of the church over the past 2,000 years that we get to play a part in. Grace Church, this is our mission, to bring the good news of Jesus Christ to the nations, to have their eyes opened to the one true God, to, to reconcile them back to himself. For Jesus will declare himself, I am the way. And I am the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. And so we are called to echo the words of Simeon that Jesus is the light of revelation to all people. That God made a way when there was no way. Jesus is the light that guides. In September, we had a men's event where we had a man named Sujo John come and uh, speak to us and share. Uh, The the event actually happened on Friday, uh, September 11th. And Sujo John's story 
is that he was uh, working, I believe, in the North Tower on 9-11. He was able to make his way out of the building, uh, but then began to approach the South Tower, um, where his, uh, at the time, his pregnant wife worked. And as he approached the building, the ground began to shake because the South Tower was collapsing And the next thing he knew, he was buried under a pile of rubble. And after realizing he's still alive and he's starting to come to his senses and begins to try and crawl around, he can see nothing. It's just dust. It's, it's, he, can, he can hardly breathe. He, he, he recognizes there's somebody next to him who's also still alive. And he was trapped, and he had no idea or direction where to go. What was up? What was down? Left? Right? And then he saw a flashing light. A red flashing light that helped him to get his senses as to where he was and where he needed to go. And that was the light that led him out. And now Sujo John is very much involved in a a global ministry that enters into red light districts where there is sex trafficking and sex slaves and helps to lead them out of slavery. Just as a red light led him to freedom, now he is the one who goes towards the red light districts to lead others out. But this is the image of people who are led out of darkness and into the light of Jesus Christ. People who are crawling in the dark. People who are blinded, disoriented, not sure. Blinded by the enemy and the God of this world. And yet are led out by the light that guides. That are led out of the slavery of sin by the power and work of Jesus Christ. This is the message that Simeon is proclaiming. So it's a light to the Gentiles, but Simeon, as a Jewish man, is not implying here that God is now just forsaking Israel, has just changed his mind, has gone to plan B. But he says it's a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Remember, one of the few things that we know about Simeon is that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He loved his people. He yearned for their freedom. For their freedom from oppression. Both from Rome, but also from their own leadership. And now in Christ, they will receive the fullness of God's promise. They will not be forsaken. They will not be forgotten. Jesus would fulfill their law And he would fulfill the mission given to Abraham to be a blessing to all nations. And God will continue to pursue those in Israel who have drifted far from them, even as he now opens the door to the Gentiles. The song reminds me of, and even perhaps was uh, informed, Paul's statement in his letter to the Roman church in Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Jesus is the light that guides. And then third, Jesus is the light that exposes. 
After a song, Simeon says something to Mary that at first glance seems strange. Like something you would not recommend saying to a first-time mother. And yet Simeon, filled with the Spirit, reveals that he knows even more about Jesus' future than we initially thought. Verse 34, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Simeon understands the glory and victory that Jesus will bring, but he also knows that it will come at a high cost. He will guide many to eternal life, but he will also harden the hearts of many and expose the evil that exists within them. Just as a light can lead people out of darkness, so too light exposes that which is actually true, what is actually there. Uh, I think I've talked about this before, but I recall as a kid growing up in, in our house, one of my chores, the youngest of the bunch, was to dust the house. All right, get your dust equipment and dust the house. And I feel like my mom would always plan the inspection of my work at the exact time of day when the sun was hitting a room to expose all the dust that I failed to get. That's what happens when you dust a room. You think it's clean. You think you do a good job. But then you shed light upon that spot in that room and it reveals the truth. Jesus is the light that will expose all things. All that was in the dark will one day be brought into the light. All of our hearts will be revealed before him, laid bare. And you know, it will be evil. And evil intentions and motives and people that will drive Jesus to the cross. Jesus did not die because he himself was evil. Jesus died because he exposed evil. And we all know that when somebody gets exposed, when what was once in the dark is now brought into the light, people have one of two choices. Number one, confess. Or two, lash out. The Jewish leaders were exposed by Jesus, and they lashed out at Jesus, and they strung him up on a Roman cross. Jesus is the light that exposes. It is what he did in his earthly ministry. It is what Jesus still does today. He shines light into the darkness and he exposes what is most true about us. He knows it all. You know, it's a strange world we live in where we, as a culture, uh, seem A-okay about singing songs that say Santa Claus knows everything about us. He knows when we're sleeping. He knows when we're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. And yet, we seem to be nervous 
about declaring the truth that God knows everything about us. A God who sees us as we really are. A God whom we can hide nothing from. A God whom we are all laid bare before. And we, and I say we, meaning a lot of us parents of younger children, might sing about Santa, and our intention might be to help to control the behavior of our kids around Christmas time. But far more powerful, far more eternal, we can declare truth about Jesus, not to control them, but to give them life. To tell them the truth. That the bad news is that when all is exposed, we have no reason to be accepted by God. But the good news is that Jesus Christ loves us anyway. And it was on my worst day that I could ever remember, my most morally abhorrent day, that he looked down and said, I'll die for him. Jesus is the light that exposes. And he is the light that entered into the darkness on my behalf. And he is the light that rose again. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the primary evidence that Jesus is who he said he was that the price he paid was paid in full because whenever a sentence is paid in full, the prisoner can go free. Brothers and sisters, as we approach the end of 2020, let this be the last thing you hear from the pulpit at Grace Church in this difficult time. That your sentence was paid in full that Jesus has declared you righteous and that the light shines in the darkness still today and the darkness shall not overcome it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these songs that you have included in your word, that you have inspired the men and women to sing, that you've inspired Luke to record for our edification, to remind us of who you are and what you've done on our behalf, to show us the guiding light out of the darkness and into your presence. I pray that this light would not only shine in us, but that the light would shine through us as your church to a world that is still shrouded in darkness. Father, give us the courage to speak truth. Give us the compassion to live out that truth for the good of others. And let your glory be shown all around us. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.